This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Hi, I'm Imma. I live in Scotland. Hi, I'm Jen and I'm from Canada. Hi, I'm Ola Banji and I'm from Nigeria. Hello, I'm Liki and I live in Paris. Hey, I'm Rod. I'm from Peru. Welcome to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. In our conversations, we share ideas, perspectives, questions, and things we can actually do to make a difference. So don't be shy and join our Carbon Sessions because it's not too late. Hi, I am Ola Banji. Hi, I'm Jen. Hi, I'm Liki. Okay, today, as I've told you, I would like to play a little quiz with you. And um, (laughs) so I hope that you're prepared because um, I know that you're all very competitive and you want to, you know, to have it right all the time. So (laughs) let's go. Yeah, let's, let's, let's go. Yeah, it's related to food. I don't know if I said that already, but it's related to food because I love food, as you know, (laughs) as we all do. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) first question, it's dessert time. Which fruit, because we love fruits, which fruit is better for the environment? Blueberries or papaya? Blueberries. (laughs) Blueberries? Okay. What about you, Ola Benji? Why do I feel like I'm on a hot seat? (laughs) 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 Uh, Blueberries, I I think. Blueberries. Yeah. Mm, Well, actually, I think that blueberries is the right answer for Jen because she lives in Canada. And from the last time I checked, blueberries is uh, is grown in Canada. And Canada is a big exporter of uh, blueberries. But... Because you're in Nigeria, and Nigeria doesn't produce a lot of blueberries, but a lot of papaya. And, um, oh, I think I missed it. Uh, yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, sorry, it was a trick. It was a trick. <laughs> my bad. So, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, where, where's the buzzer now? <laughs> okay, so let's look at oh, Benji, what's your answer? Uh, papaya would be the answer. So we we, we kind of call it around here. We we call it pawpaw. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I didn't get that as fast as I should. Yeah, got it. Yeah, got but it. I think the fruit that is best for the environment is that the one that is grown locally. It's grown there. Yeah, and not in a greenhouse and in season. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I don't know in, in France. Sometimes I I don't think we'll see it ever again. But I remember maybe 10 years ago, there was cherry imported from South America or something for Christmas. And they sell it very at a very expensive price because it was expensive. So, and I think that yeah. we, it, that is very bad for the environment. We have blueberries, blueberry farms all around where I live, but papaya is very expensive because it doesn't grow here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You both are correct. With the new answer from Alabanchi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now we understand yeah. the rules. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, n- n- now we get it. Okay, this is something I found on the website called Fold Unfolded, which is a website that informs 
consumers in Europe on the carbon emission of each type of food. So question, it goes by pair, okay? I'm going to give you two foods and you're going to tell me which one emits more carbon dioxide, oh. okay? All right. Potatoes or lentils? Uh, I'm going to say lentils for me. More, okay? Yeah, I didn't get that. Come again, potato or, or what? Lentils. Um, I, I'm not sure what that is, actually. Okay. It might be called something else. Yeah, yes. I'm wondering. Something like that? Pulses. 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 Yep. Uh, doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> Little tiny hard things that you have to soak and then cook in Indian food. Oh, no. I've, I've, not, I've not seen a lot of that. It's a bad question. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's not a bad question. So I can see a picture of it now. It looks like beans, right? Yeah. Oh, yes. they're like beans. Oh, okay. We, we don't we don't see a lot of that. So um, I, I would say I would say lentils. But well, actually, potatoes uh, emits more carbon dioxide really? than lentils. Oh. And lentils is a great source of protein. Oh, really? Ah, mm. uh, yes, it is. Interesting. Uh, yeah, because I feel like uh, potatoes, like they kind of grow in most most areas here. Cheese or milk? Uh, is is that like choice or <laughs> which one emits more carbon? <laughs> no, it's it's which one emits more carbon. You need to choose cheese or milk. Yes, it's a choice. <laughs> um, milk. They're kind of the same thing, but the transport. I'm thinking of. Are you thinking? Do you mean like production of it? So it's production. There's no transport involved yet. Oh, production. Oh. Oh. That might actually be cheese. It might be. Yeah, because cheese is processed. I mean, it's more processed than, than, milk. than, than milk. Yeah, that's right. Okay, question beef or lamb? Which one emits more carbon? I'd say beef. I know it emits methane, but... <laughs> mm. uh, plus, you know, there's like a general hatred for beef, <laughs> especially <laughs> with vegans or, <laughs> or, you know, sustainability guys like, you know, yeah. you just say, nah, beef, beef does. I think beef is, is popular <laughs> for this. Well, according to this website, and to my bigger surprise, lamb emits more carbon than beef. According to the website, foodunfolded.com. Huh. I would not have thought that. Interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But then again, uh, you asked a very interesting question. We're only talking about production but we're not talking about uh, transportation and uh, whatever is grown near, I mean, it's produced near where you live, it's better. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, I have, um, well, I should say she's a podcasting colleague who, well, I don't know if lamb and goat are the same thing, but she has a goat farm and uh, they make cheese. Actually, uh, she lives in Tasmania in Australia and her farm is... Um, carbon negative farm wow. mm. so they when they produce meat and cheese uh the soil absorb more carbon than they emit isn't it great yeah that's awesome that's awesome i mean that's the goal for all of us to become carbon negative um yeah that's awesome to to do that like i celebrate people that go through the the inconvenience of you know worrying and then taking action about you know, climate change, especially with things that they do, their businesses and, and all that. That's, that's kind of exciting to see and watch, to find those people. I mean, some people go the extra mile of doing that. 
uh, I've not gone to landfills to, to pick up plastics and that, but I've seen people do that, not because they wanted anything out of it, but, you know, because they care. So that warms my heart every now and then. And I think it deserves to be celebrated, you know, when, yeah. when we see yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. So big ups to your um, podcasting partner. <laughs> But yeah. we're talking about it, so it's a it's a it's a start. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Plus goats are cute, you know, and cheese. <laughs> yeah. We're sending a thunderclap uh, to her, so <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, thunderclap, yeah, Kate. Yeah. Okay. Why eating beef and lamb is no good for the environment? For climate change. The the production, the factory farming is horrific for the treatment of the animals, <laughs> but it costs an awful lot of land and it costs an awful lot of carbon and methane and and yeah. things to, you know, the grains and the things that you have to feed the animals. It takes up valuable farmland that could have other food growing on it. There's just so much that, you know, unless it's a small home farm that does things organically and naturally, it's really not good for the environment. <laughs> That's not my scientific answer, but I think it's terrible. <laughs> that is my best answer. I don't know. <laughs> well, about you, Benji, do you have, um, do you have something to, to add to this? Yeah, similar to what, what Jenna said, but I think they also agrees. Around here, they they take them around to graze on plants um, and things that are already growing. So um, sometimes when you cross over fields, you would already see that there's been some grazing in that area. So they don't let the trees to grow. They just, you know, they end their life. And then there's the processing part and then the transportation part. That's my best answer. Okay, well... Yes, but also you uh, you both forgot something very important is that beef and lamb, those are animals that fart and burp. And when they fart and burp, they emit a lot of methane. And methane um, stays less, less longer than um, carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, but it's more potent. And so it's it's really not so good. And it also creates some sort of pollution uh, in the fog. It creates fog, actually. Yeah. yeah. And, and the guys that, that make meat want to have a lot more of, of those animals and, you know, grow them really fast. Yeah, make, makes total sense. Yeah. Well, <laughs> also because they burp and they fart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love cows. I just don't want to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> we need fewer of them. <laughs> And let them roam. Yeah. <laughs> let them graze. Yeah, and, and, and the more the more demand we, we have, the farther they're willing to go to produce and make them reproduce a lot more. And that's more farts yeah. and more birds. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I have another one, and that will be my last one. There's one type of food that is very, very nutritious. It's not cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. There's one type of food that is really, really nutritious. And growing this type of food doesn't require at all fresh water, uh, fertilizer, no deforestation, and with very high yield, and there's no impact on landscape. That has to be from heaven. <laughs> We're not eating a lot of this. Manna? <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> right. how, about, how about crickets? 
<laughs> That's full of protein. <laughs> yeah, man. Man, I heard that. Oh. I mean, I, I learned that crickets, you know, it's very rich in protein. Yes. Okay. Maybe it's cricket, but uh, this is not what I have in mind. What I have in mind is seaweed. Oh, seaweed. Mm. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seaweed, it grows in ocean, so it doesn't require fresh water. Mm. It is, uh, there's no need for mm. fertilizer because you get everything in the ocean. Uh, there's no deforestation because there's no, it's not inland and no impact on landscape. And um, it's actually um, it's actually something that not only provides a lot of nutrients, uh, it grows very, very fast, but growing uh, seaweeds has a lot of benefits as well. It filters out pollutants in the ocean. Um, you know, it mitigates uh, oxygen depletion in the ocean. And um, yeah, even if you don't eat it, it's, becomes a very sustainable source of fertilizer for land agriculture. So we don't think of seaweed a lot. And uh, I don't think the industry is focused a lot on you know, on um, promoting seaweed product, but it has a massive, massive potential. This is absolutely insane because um, seaweed farms has the potential to, you know, to grow massive amounts of nutrients. And um, there's a researcher from the University of, okay, Wageningen University in the Netherlands is the name of this professor is uh, Ozinga, and uh, he has calculated that a network of sea vegetable farms, so seaweed, a farm mm. of of the size of um, which is equivalent to the size of the state of Washington, and so if wow. you grow um, you know a network of seaweed, it will provide enough protein for the whole population. Wow. That's insane. That's that is mind blowing. I think to me. I was at a big box store recently, and I bought a bag of dried seaweed that was shredded. Uh, they are selling it in stores. Um, you can buy the flat sheets, which which I have bought before. Um, but this was shredded seaweed, which was great because sometimes we'll make sushi bowls at home with rice and cucumber and avocado and whatever you've got, and then throw in this the sushi shredded sushi or seaweed and it's delicious and there's a sushi shop on every corner here um, because we're near mm. the ocean but but that's very interesting about farming it i haven't uh yes actually i came across this idea from a book maybe you've heard about it uh which is called it's like uh, hang on it's called it like a fish my adventures as a fisherman Turned restorative ocean farmer. And the name of the writer is, is Bren Smith. And it's a brilliant book. It's really, I mean, he's a very good writer. He, he's a very good um, storyteller. But I learned a lot in this book. Um, uh, I learned the concept of vertical farming. Because basically, if you want to grow seaweed, and I mean, we're talking about seaweed, but uh, you can also grow seashells, which, has, which is very good for the environment as well. So you put everything in a rope and you throw the rope in the ocean. And then you come back after a while and you just harvest, you know, it's, um, it's very promising. And the seaweed not only is good, uh, in terms of yield, but in terms of uh, nutrition, but also it helps absorb carbon dioxide in the air because, um, it uses the photosynthesis to, you know, to absorb carbon dioxide. And, um, and it's one of the fastest growing plants in the world. So it has a lot of potential. 
Is that what they call carbon capture? Is that what they call it? Uh, from the ocean, ocean carbon capture. Yeah. Oh, well, actually, there are two things. There's uh, from seaweed and plankton, and also from the water itself. So there's two phenomenon uh, combined in carbon capture, ocean carbon capture. But uh, yeah, and also seaweed can be used as um, you know as biofuel uh, versus uh, soya soybeans because uh, it has a lot of oil, and the yield is much um, it's much higher. So I got very excited the first time I read this book and I keep reading it again and again and um, and it's fascinating. It makes me want to have my own, you know, small vertical farm. Yeah. To try that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't wait to have mine as well. This this sounds great. It's, it's, a lot, it's really cool. Um, I, I mean, why why have we not paid attention to seaweed? This is. <laughs> it, it, it feels like like. Dude, like part of the solution has been standing right in front of you. Why, why are you not seeing it? That's uh, well, that's you know, the food industry is very, very big. So, <laughs> yeah, it's really big with a lot of interest and stuff. But yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, if you're interested, get the book. Um, the book is called "Eat Like a Fish" uh, by Brent Smith, and he also has an organization. And you can find out more about this organization on greenwave.org okay thank you that sounds I'm, I'm, great i'm checking that out yeah me too thank you <laughs> that's a great book and that's the end of my quiz i hope you enjoyed it <laughs> i had <Yay>. fun <laughs> <laughs> and who won well we all won because we learn a lot this <laughs> <laughs> is so cool so cool okay bye talk to you soon bye bye jen bye Liki. You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect, and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement, and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again as together we can change the world.